Shalom Aleichem. This is Shaul Wertheimer, Queens College, Chabad. Today is Rosh Chodesh Iyar Tovshin Pei, April 23rd, 2020. And today's episode is called Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi and the Coronavirus. And I want to share with you some thoughts I've been having based on many different things that I've been learning. Uh, and I'm going to try to connect a bunch of these different ideas. So I want to begin with a little bit about the story of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi's life. So who was Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi? He lived approximately 135 to 220 of the Common Era. Rabbi Yehuda was so learned and such a big tzaddik that his Talmidim, his disciples and colleagues called him Rabbeinu HaKadosh, our holy rabbi, and often they just called him Rebbe. He was wealthy but lived simply. And the main thing that he's known for is the redaction of the Mishnah. Now, he was called Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. That actually became part of his title, Hanasi. The Nasi was the leader of the Sanhedrin. That leadership was not just a legal position that he was the head of the Sanhedrin. It was a spiritual position as well. He was the leader of the Jewish people. He ruled as the Nasi with such great authority that the Gemara, Masech the Git and Daf Nun says that not since Moshe Rabbeinu were Torah and majesty so fused together in one. Interestingly, both Moshe and Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi lived 120 years. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi's authority remains strong, and wherever a ruling is given in his name, it's accepted as binding, overriding any other views that may exist. The Gemara tells us in Masech Taksubo's Daf Kuftal Roman Aleph that when he was on his deathbed, his Talmidim said that no one is allowed to say that Rebbe has died. They sent Bar Kapara, one of his Talmidim, to go check on him. When Bar Kapara entered his room, he found that Rebbe had passed away. Broken, he was unsure how to tell everybody else of the tragedy. When he came to the other Talmidim, his colleagues, he merely he, he, he said to them a Mushal, a parable. He said, The angels and the righteous both clutched the sacred ark, the Oran Kodesh. The angels triumphed over the righteous, and the sacred ark was captured. They asked him, Did he die? And Bar Kapara said, You have said it, and I did not say it. So, as mentioned, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi was the Nasi, literally meaning the prince, he was the leader of the Sanhedrin. As the leader of the Jewish people, he needed to be able to work in two different directions. He needed to, on the one hand, balance his own spiritual growth, as well as the needs of others. With that in mind, let's take a look at the first Mishnah in the second chapter of Pirkei Avos. That is the chapter that we will study in shuls this week. In keeping with the custom to 
study Pirkei Avos on the Shabbos in between Pesach and Shavuos. So the first Mishnah of the second chapter of Pirkei Avos is Rebbe Oimer, and here he's just called Rebbe. What is the straight path that a person should choose? Bartanura says Shiyavar means Shiyavar, should choose. So he explains, Everything that is beautiful and fine for the one who does it. And that it is tiferes, it is beautiful in the eyes of other people as well. There's The Mishnah continues, but I'm going to focus on the first part here. So what kind of question is this? What is the correct path? What is the straight path? Aren't we learning Mishnah? Torah is the straight path. Torah mitzvahs. So what kind of question is this? Don't we know the answer to that already? And furthermore, what's the answer? That I should choose based on what's beautiful for me? Is that the measure? And likewise, that I should be concerned what others think? Shulchan Aruch opens with the halacha not to be embarrassed in front of those who mock us. It means we're not concerned with what other people think. If it's the right thing to do, then it's the right thing to do, regardless of what people say. So why is Rebbe advising that the correct path in Torah is what I like, what's beautiful for me, and furthermore, I should make sure that other people also like it? So we must say that we're not speaking about what is the correct path, because we know that already. Torah is the correct path. But we rather must be speaking about choosing within Torah what is the correct path. So in general, we might say there are two paths within Torah. There is tiferes le'oseha, what's beautiful for myself. That represents working with myself and my own spiritual growth. Torah study, mitzvos, taking care of my own, of my own growth. Then you have tiferes le'min ha'adam. That means it's beautiful for other people. That's chesed, gemilos chasadim, working with others. So a person might think that it's one or the other because they often seem like they may be contradictory. If I'm working with myself, how am I to work with others? So comes Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi specifically, not another sage of the Mishnah, but specifically Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who was the leader, and he worked in both directions, both inside and outside, both with himself and with others. And he says, you know what the Derech Yeshara is? It's, both a, it's a synthesis of both inside and outside work, working with myself and working with others. Rebbe is emphasizing the need for multidimensional service where we can balance doing what is beautiful and beneficial for our own spiritual growth and at the same time to focus on imparting that beauty to others. And as mentioned, this idea connects to Rebbe himself because Rebbe, again, as the leader, had to work in these both directions, both these directions. He had to be concerned about his own spiritual benefit, his own spiritual growth, and at the same time as the leader, he had to also be concerned with the needs of others. Now, a person might think, a regular individual, if you're not the Nasi, that I can choose one of these paths. I can either choose the path of Torah, that's Tiferes Seha, or I can choose the path of Gemilus Chasodim, that's Tiferes Lamin Ha'adam. But Rebbe was concerned that all of us should also have both directions of worship, of service.
by the way, this is the reason why he uses the word tiferes, not yofi, for example, which also means beautiful. But according to Kabbalah, Yaakov Avinu represents the sephira or corresponds to the sphere of tiferes, of beauty. Tiferes means a resolution uh, between two different things. And Yaakov is specifically connected to Rebbe, to Rebbe Yehuda Nasi. Nasi is Nun Sinyud Aleph. That's Rashi Tevis. Nitsutsoi Shel Yaakov Avinu. The spark of Yaakov Avinu. That is that, that Rebbe was a, had a spark of Yaakov Avinu's neshama in him. And therefore, Rebbe demands from us that we must choose a path that is Tiferes. That is also beautiful. That's corresponding to Yaakov. Now, I was learning the daily Seder of Rambam today, and I came across a halacha in Hilchos Ritzeach Ushminas Nefesh in the laws of murder and um, saving a life in the Rambam. And this halacha is in the final chapter of those halachas, chapter 13, halacha 4. Zehaklal, the Rambam says, this is the general principle. That if it's speaking about helping uh, unload an animal, if, if you see an animal, that if it were your own and you would unload and reload that animal, then you're obligated to unload and reload it for someone else. Bishel Chaveiro says the Rambam. Then here comes the words, Ve'im haya chasid, if he is a chasid, which is what Pirkei Avos is all about. Pirkei Avos is mile de chasidusa. It's not about the laws of the Torah. That's the other 59 mesechtas. Pirkei Avos is not about laws. It's, a, it's the flavor behind the laws. It's for the one who wants a little bit more than just the do's and the don'ts. So, ve'im haya chasid, if the person is pious and they're following the mile de chasidusa, as the Rambam says, they go beyond the letter of the law. Or as uh, Rebbe Uri Kaplur in Eretz once told me, Lifnim Meshur Sadin doesn't actually mean, doesn't actually translate literally, at least to beyond the letter of the law. But Lifnim means to go inside the letter of the law. Lifnim Meshur Sadin, into the law. Then says the Rambam, Afilu Haya Nasi Hagadol. Even if the person is a great Nasi, like Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi, and he sees an animal belonging to a colleague fallen under a load of straw, reeds, etc. Then even though you're the Nasi, he should unload and load that donkey with the owner. So we see that the Nasi has to be able to balance both his own elevated status, the Nasi HaGadol, the leader of the Jewish people. He has to be able to lower himself to help unload this animal. Today also I was learning Masech uh, Soita with our oldest son. Of course, he's home from yeshiva, obviously. We're all home. And the, the Chabad custom is during Svirsa Oimer to learn a daf of Masech Soita every day. Uh, the simple reason people say is because there's 49 days of Svirsa Oimer and there are 49 pages in Masech Soita. But that's not really the reason, uh, because if that were the case, you could just as easily choose Masech Shvuis, which is also 49 pages. But maybe we'll, maybe we'll discuss uh, another time why specifically Masech Soita. In any event, in today's page, today's blot, 
The Gemara tells us that the evil monarchy of the Roman Empire wanted to know where was Moshe Rabbeinu buried. So the Gemara tells us that when the men stood on the upper section of the mountain, it appeared to them as if the grave was below them in the lower section of the mountain. So they went lamato, they went below, it appeared as if it was above. So they separated into two groups, one above and one below. Those who were standing above the grave appeared to them to be below. And those who were standing below, it appeared to them that the grave was above. And the Gemara then says, This was all to fulfill the Pasuk that says, Nobody knew, nobody knows where Moshe Rabbeinu is buried. The Maharal explains, what does this mean? Those who were above saw him below. Those who were below saw him above. So the Maharal says that Moshe was called Ish Lakim. He's an Ish and he's also Lakim. He is a little bit of a, of a combination of the above and the below. So the Maharal says that Hare Moshe in a Lagamre. Moshe Rabbeinu was not entirely related or connected to that which is above. And also, He also was not completely related or connected to the Tachtonim, to that which is below. And therefore, those who were above saw that he was below. Those who were below saw that he was above. Because he had this ability of bridging the gap, of being something for everyone, so to speak. That... Where did Moshe belong? Did he belong above? Did he belong below? He was an Ish Elohim. Like Rabbi Yehuda Anasi, again as mentioned, that they both lived also the same 120 years. There's that connection between Moshe and Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, above and below. Rabbi Eli Silberstein, the Chabad Shliach in Cornell, in Ithaca, shared with me the Das Seifer, who is the great-grandson of the Hassam Seifer, that he explains this Gemara in a different way. The Gemara also says that Moshe Rabbeinu Loi Meis, Moshe never died. So come to the Romans and they say, we want to know where Moshe is buried. We want to know where he doesn't exist anymore. So what does it mean? So they thought, maybe those who are in the El Yonim, those who are up high, up high on the mountain, meaning these are the, the, the upper echelon of the Torah scholars and so forth, uh, maybe by them, they don't really consider Moshe Rabbeinu to be so great. Maybe he's not still alive by them. Maybe he's buried there, so to speak. So they checked and they saw, no, <laughs> they have not forgotten Moshe. They still consider him to be so great, the greatest. They're always mentioning Titus Moshe, the Rebbe, etc., so then the Romans thought, okay, maybe he's Lamata. Maybe he's buried Lamata, that is. They thought maybe the so-called lower-level Jews, the ignoramuses and so forth, maybe they, they didn't really understand how great Moshe Rabbeinu was. Maybe they have forgotten him. Maybe he's buried Lamata, buried down there. So they went there, and when they arrived Lamata, the so-called uh, ignoramuses and so forth, 
they saw that the Anoshim Pshutim, the Pashat Yidin, that Moshe Rabbeinu was living by them as well. That Moshe Rabbeinu hasn't died above and he hasn't died below. And the Romans were astonished at this. They, they thought for sure he's got to be dead somewhere. He's got to be buried somewhere. They, he, someone must have forgotten Moshe, but no one forgot Moshe. And that's why they could never find the place of his burial. Because he was never buried. Because Moshe Rabbeinu never died. He's Chai V'Kayim. Lagba Oimer is coming pretty soon. And uh, it seems like we'll celebrate the Simcha of the Rashbi in seclusion. Just like the Rashbi himself was in seclusion. So... I want to go back to the Mishnah that I quoted before, the first Mishnah in the second chapter of Avos. It says, What is the correct path that one should choose? What is the straight path one should choose? So another interpretation of this Mishnah is, is reached by moving the comma or moving the question mark, as the case may be. Instead of reading it, What is the straight path that one should choose? Read it as follows. What is the straight path? And then the answer is, that we have to choose. That's the path. That we have to choose the Torah for ourselves. So, what is Lagba Oimer about? So, Chassidus explains that Shavuos is the Matan Torah of the Nigla the Torah is the giving of the Torah, of the revealed teachings of the Torah. And Lagba Oimer is the Matan Torah of Pnimius HaTorah, the inner teachings of the Torah. That which is on the inside, the soul of Torah. So I think that, that the inner Torah, the Matan Torah of Lagba Oimer, the seclusion of Lagba Oimer, and the choosing of Rebbe in the Mishnah, what is the proper path that we have to choose, is very much related to and speaking to our situation today with the coronavirus. And not to diminish the struggles that many are having and all the people who have passed away and those who need a refuah shlema should have a refuah shlema. It's no doubt that our shuls and yeshivas being closed, it's painful. Not as painful as all the the passings and so on and so forth obviously goes without saying. But we don't know when this is going to end. How long will our shuls be closed for? How long will our yeshivas be closed? And okay, the, the yeshivas are doing wonderful jobs the best they can to continue online learning and then shiurim and so on and so forth. But eh, obviously it's not the same for a bacher to be in the walls of the yeshiva learning together with other bacherim and with the rebbeim. It's not the same. We're doing the best we can, but it's painful. We can't be in the yeshiva. We can't be in shul. Many don't even know what to do. There's no minion. What am I supposed to do? But Even though we can't go to shul anymore, we can't go to yeshivas anymore. But Yiddishkeit was always about the home. And now that is abundantly clear. So I think perhaps that a message we can take from Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi in the times of coronavirus, is that what is the straight path? What does Hashem want from me? He wants me to choose. He wants me to make it my own. 
not because this is what I was told, or not because this is just what I just this is what I do, but because it's mine. It's Lagba Oimer. It's the Rashbi. I'm in the cave. It's just a strip down to the basics. What does it mean to me? If I was in a cave by myself, well, Rashbi was with his son, but <laughs> the point stands. What would it mean to me? What are my priorities? What will I choose? What will it mean for me to choose? How will I choose? Now is the time for each of us to choose Yiddishkeit for ourselves, in our home, inside ourselves. L'chaim.